All right, well, thank you. I got my preaching shirt on today. Usually I got my American Fitness shirt on, but today this is my preaching shirt. So it should be fun. Um, I, um, I just wanted to talk uh, a little bit about, first, this little diagram I drew up here. This is how a son of God typically operates. You know, we're all called to be sons and daughters of God. And um, the word in, in the Greek is huios, U-I-H-O-S. When we're saved, we're technon, which is children in Christ. But children in Christ need a lot of feeding. They need a lot of milk. But see, you guys are here, and you're meat eaters. So it's time now for us to rise up and become sons and daughters of God. It, it says all creation groaneth for the manifestation of the sons of God in the word. And, and that's because all creation is affected when we haven't stood up and become the salt and the light. See, everything is under our control, under our dominion. We have all power, dominion, and authority through Christ Jesus. And in the Greek, the word all is, is all. So if we have all power, dominion, and authority through Christ Jesus, why are we seeing this stuff in our life that we don't want to see? And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, one of the things is you'll see that God is the generator. He's constantly generating power from his throne. Jesus was the illuminator. He showed us how to walk in power, dominion, and authority on this earth. So he, he's the one that just, he was, showed us how to be that hands and feet. We are the consummator. We're the hands and feet of God. But it's all about alignment. We have to be in alignment with Papa God. When we're aligned with Papa, we can wield all kinds of power. But when we're out of alignment, say a little bit to the right, we go, to something, go through something called a trial. And the whole purpose of the trial is to get you bumped back into alignment with Papa God. When is God? Anyone? When is he? Now. He's not I was. He's not I will be. He is I am. It's the only name he gave himself. He didn't give himself the name Jehovah. He didn't give himself the name Yahweh. We gave him those names. But he said, I am that I am. So am is now. So if we can get ourselves in this now moment lined up with Papa God through Christ Jesus, we have all power, dominion, and authority. Does that make sense? The problem is we got our minds playing tricks on us because our mind's always in, in, in regret of yesterday and fear of tomorrow. So I'm always thinking about all the stuff I didn't do back here, and I'm always thinking, oh, my gosh, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And so we're in fear and regret, and we're never in now. And you know what? In now is pretty good. Right now, just thinking now, right this second, it's good. I'm here. I'm at church. Everything's good now. But but what? But what if? But what if? But what? Oh no no no! We're not going there. That's the future. Now, because God is now, and it's our job to align in this now moment. That makes sense. Okay. So anyone going through a trial now, or has been through a trial recently in business, personal, anything like that? Raise your hand. Okay. We got a few. Some people never go through trials. We don't believe them. But the, the truth is, what's great about it is you're not alone. We're all going through it. Now, how we go through it is an important thing, and do we involve others when we go through it is a very important thing, because we're a family. So say someone is going through something I've been through, and they reach out to me. I can be transparent enough to tell them, this is what I did when I went through it. And see, that's brothers helping brothers, sisters helping sisters, not judging them because they're going through a trial, 
but loving them through it, saying, hey, when I went through something like that, this is what I had to do. Does that make sense? So a trial is a test or a performance on, of the suitability of someone. Say, our tests or our performances are based on, are we the light and the salt? Are we standing in there and becoming the light and the salt on this planet right now? I mean, this planet's pretty dark right now. There's a lot of dark things happening. And the funny thing is we can see them even. You know, they're so far out there. You can just see division of good and evil. Things that line up with the word, I say, is good. Things that don't line up with the word, I say, is evil. Now, if, if that's uh, politically incorrect, then that's me. I'm that guy, politically incorrect. I apologize. Not really. Now, <laughs> or we can say a trial is an invitation to a higher level of spirituality. You see, so we were created as a spirit being in a body, right? But we have a tendency to be more in the physical realm than we are in the spirit realm. We tend to be in the 3D world instead of the 4D world, the spirit realm. And so, and where we wield all our power, dominion, and authority is in the spiritual realm, right? So the trial helps us understand that we're not involved in these circumstances or situations. They don't reflect on us. They don't control us. We're the boss of me, right? Little two-year-olds know that. I'm the boss of me. We just forgot we're the boss of me because what we want to do is blame everybody. Well, if the government was straight, well, if this person wouldn't, well, if my mom didn't, well, well, victim, 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 victim. Anytime that you claim someone else did something to you, you are a victim. If it's stopping you from doing the thing you're called to do, that's victim mentality. But we're victors. If we have all power, dominion, and authority through Christ Jesus, how can we be victims? So who puts us through these trials? Well, sometimes, sometimes, you know, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We know that. And sometimes God, like, tests us like he did Abraham, right, with Isaac. He wanted to see what kind of faith he had, right? And he was testing his faith. And so he brought him up there and said, will you offer your son for me? And the cool thing is because he went through that trial, Abraham, guess who he offered for us? His son. Because he saw, they'll do it for me. You know what? I'm going to do it for them. And now he's going to restore all of us back to Papa God so that we can sit on his lap, hang out with him, and have conversation with him to the thing we were originally created to do, walk in the cool of the garden with God. The one thing a lot of times we don't have time to do in the morning because we're too busy doing things that don't matter. No judgment, just saying. Because if we're not spending time with God, what are we doing? It's the only reason we were created was to spend time with him. He created us in his likeness and image to walk with him, to talk with him. So the thing I like to do is start every morning with him. If I start every morning with God and I start with an attitude of gratitude, the rest of the day goes pretty dang good. But if I start by picking up my cell phone, and then I, oh, look at all the stuff. Look at the stuff. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Guess what I do? I get to relive yesterday tomorrow. And here it comes again, and here it comes again, because the same feelings that were yesterday are now today. And because of these same feelings, the same actions, same actions, same stuff in my life, same fruit in my life. And I do it over and over and over. So I challenge you, <laughs> don't touch your cell phone for about an hour in the morning. Spend time with God and see what he can do with you. 
And I think I forgot my, did I feel like you're my flipper, baby? There she is, sexy voice of the Holy Spirit, coming up to the stage. Thank you, baby. Don't embarrass her. <laughs> She's the one I always ask when I think I know what I'm talking about. I ask her so she can straighten me out. You know, she, you ever got guys used to play pinball, right? She's the flipper in the pinball game. Smacks me right back into play. 1 Peter 4.12 said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. It's not weird that you're going through a trial. We're all going through trials. But, you know, a lot of times we think we're the only one going through that trial. And we isolate ourselves when we go through that trial. And that's where we can get beat up so well because we're all by ourselves, isolating, don't want to go to church because I don't have my stuff together right now. I only go to church when I'm clean. When I go, how you doing? Oh, blessed and highly favored, brother. That's when I'll go to church, but not when I need really to go to church, when I need my brothers and sisters to hold my arms up, someone to walk me through some stuff. That's when we have to be together and in union so we can get each other through these things. Make sense? So... Let's see. And the problem is, you know, it's so normal because 50%, and I'll just do a little neuroscience, not a lot, 50% of our mind is programmed by the time we're born. We got that from our children's, from our father's, 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 and they just keeps coming and coming. So 50% of your stinking thinking is from before you even had anything to do with it. And then another 30 by the time you're five years old. Now you got 80% of the thought patterns developed in your brain that all have these little curses and bad thoughts and things, and you didn't even have any opportunity to say, no, I'm not going to receive that. It's in there. So to go through a trial, it's trying to get you to repent, to think a new way, to form new axons and dendrites, to form new thought patterns. You know, there's something called, uh, and this is the big lie. When I was going through school, they said, well, once you hit about 17 or 18 or pretty much your brain's what it's going to be. But that's a lie. Now, neuroscience shows now there's something called neuroplasticity, that you can change your thoughts, which changes everything, changes your thought patterns, and you can change them no matter how, how old you are. If you change your thoughts, you change your emotions, you change your emotions, you change your words. If you change your words, you change your actions, you change your actions, you change your fruit. So just by what the word says, capture each thought and hold it up to the glory of God, it all works. It all works. So you can think a new way. Well, I've been this way and I'm 70 years old and I'm never going to change my thinking. Well, if you say that, and you're right, but you can change, maybe you just choose not to because you're comfortable in this rut you've created in your, for yourself. And remember, a rut is just a grave with no front or back. So we don't want to be in a rut. Let's see what we got here. Just a couple more scriptures. It's good to have scriptures as a church. <laughs> Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ, Jesus shall suffer persecution. So we know, okay, that's happening too. And a reminder, trials must be fought in the spiritual realm, not in the physical realm, as we fight prince, principalities and powers of darkness in the spiritual area. All right. Oh, I don't want to go there. Oh, I do. And remember who we wrestle not against. We said right here in Ephesians. Prince, principalities, and powers of darkness. 
All right, any questions so far? <laughs> I know you're not used to this question thing, but I don't even mind them. I love them. Can God make himself a rock so big he himself cannot pick it up? Let's, let's talk about that. No, let's not talk about that. <laughs> you know what's cool about the trial? The trial either steals your truth, purpose, or destiny, or it anchors it. Right? So if you're going to go through a trial, and the idea is to go through it, not to it. So many people will go to the trial, and then they get in their trial, and they're looking for a way to skirt it, the shortcut, looking for a way to get out. You know, I need to find comfort, and I need to find it quick. I don't want to deal with this stuff. It's too heavy. There's got to be a, a way I can get to this comfort place where I can just get out of it now. But as we'll see later, it says, let the trial have its perfect work. So you got to go through it. You got to get that thing changed, that mindset, whatever that thing is inside you has got to get changed and ripped out and replaced with a positive mindset, a good mindset, one that serves you. So here's the thing that I think is so amazing. I've worked with a lot of um, Christian businessmen, and we've started many, many, many over 400 and some businesses uh, for people. And, and the thing is, just so you know, you can never grow a business past yourself. You'll never be able to receive uh, great wealth in your business if you yourself can't receive great wealth in your life. If you don't know who you are, there's no way you can grow some business so amazingly great because you're this small little thing. So my, 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 my um, purpose is to get them to see their identity. And the, the amazing thing is when people start to step into their business, their purpose, their reason for being, all of a sudden, all hell comes against them. You know, it's like, uh-oh. Now, what's going on? We begin to step into purpose. We'll need to clean up a few things that could bring us down if we were elevated for the mantle we're now carrying, a mindset change or repent. You see, when we step into purpose, when we step into the thing we know, we've seen it, we know we're called to do it, we know we're going to do it, and we know we have the power to do it, we step into it, all of a sudden, all these negative mindset things come up, or what I like to call them as the ites in your promised land. The, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, you know, what, what, uh, what uh, Joshua had to get rid of was all those ites in his promised land. Well, when we start to step into our promised land, our purpose, there's ites we've got to get rid of. And if we don't get rid of those ites, they're like a hook in us. If we make a compromise with those ites, it's like we're making a compromise with, well, I can get rid of all those, but that one I'm going to hold on to. That one, you know, I, I don't know who I'd be if I didn't have that one. And it keeps coming up, and it keeps coming up, and you're not getting to that next level because it keeps coming up, and you're going around the mountain again, and you're going around the mountain again, and you're going around the mountain again, pleading to God, what is going on, God? When can I be done this? And he said, when are you going to handle it? I can't elevate you to this place I've called you if you won't deal with this ite that's in your promised land. If you won't deal with this thing, that what's going to happen is I'm going to, you get to this higher place, but you still got that hook. And something's going to happen that's going to grab you, pull you down because of that ite. And you know what? Everyone that follows that, that mantle that you carry is going to get pulled down as well. How many times have you seen that in a church? When a pastor has a problem with a thing and he hasn't dealt with a thing. And the thing gets him at the worst possible time. And then all the sheep scatter. Because if you hit the shepherd, the sheep will scatter, right? So our job is to go ahead and let this trial have its perfect work. 
It says, when fear-based thoughts or incorrect truth hinder us from pursuing our godly purpose to the fullest to fulfill our destiny, we get trials to remove the ites. So does that kind of make sense why we have a trial in this situation? It's okay. It's good. It's great. It came up. You don't go digging for your ites. A lot of people will start to dig and they want to, oh, I want to get this one out. And I want to, you don't have to. Holy Spirit will bring it up. Just when it's time to get rid of it, he'll bring it up. And when you see it, now you've got a choice. Am I going to get rid of it? Am I going to go through it? Or am I going to make a compromise with it? Right? You guys okay? All right, just want to make sure. Where are we at on these? All right. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I just keep showing scripture just to show you that I'm not saying stuff just to say stuff. It's all backed up by scripture, which is truth. And if it's not, in tr if it's not backed up by scripture, then it's not truth. And most likely just a religion of some sort. Religion, man-made rules and no godly purpose. It's all about relationship. Love God with all your heart, soul, and might. Love your neighbors yourself. Okay? So when did this incorrect truth come? Where did this come from? Where did this truth that all of a sudden I know it's not right, but I'm believing it? Why am I believing this nasty thing? Well, it says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay. So, but faith cometh by hearing. What you hear, CNN, becomes your truth. Whatever you keep hearing over and over and over becomes truth to you. Axons and dendrites hook up. Axons and dendrites hook up. Did you, did you push it against the word and see? Let's see. Let's screen this through the word and see if that's truth. Probably not. Maybe not. But how many times has someone walked in? Who's that person? I don't, well, you know, let me tell you a story about that person. And then all of a sudden you heard that story. Boom. You just formed an opinion. And here's the thing that's so bad about that is it only takes an ounce of information to form an opinion, but it takes a ton to change it. Because there's this thing we've got inside us, we have a great need to be right. So if we say that's the way it is, that's who that person is, then we, and somebody tries to come against that way that we're thinking is right, we're like, no, 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 I'm right. No, 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 I'm right. So you've got to have a ton of information showing to the contrary of this thing you've already believed is a truth in your mind. Is that kind of truth? So be careful what you receive as a truth. Just because someone says it doesn't make it true. Just because the news says it doesn't make it true. The responsibility for truth-seeking is on you. Go look. Go find. Go seek. And then when there's the truth, then it's, you know what? Your truth. When it's your truth... Now you can act on that. How many times is it the truth of your mother, your father, your brothers, people you hang with, people in school? It's not your truth, but you just want to be accepted by them, so you receive it as your truth as well. And then we can all be the same, believing the wrong truth. I mean, Jesus was definitely not in favor of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? He spoke truth, and it didn't line up with their truth. But that's who we have to be. We have to be truth seekers. Okay? All right. Truth seekers. And what does Peter say? I like what Peter says. 
But rejoice, be glad and happy, and as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, with it means pain and passion, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Okay, when I see these little numbers, just so you don't freak out, these are the, 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 the uh, Strong's Concordance um, numbers for what the word actually means in English. Because so many times we, uh, we cheat the Bible by thinking a word means a thing when it doesn't mean what we think it means. And we don't want to figure out what it means. Yeah, here's, a, here's one real quick. Uh, it just comes to my head. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Okay? So to me, if you just read the English, it goes, be happy, and he'll give you stuff. Right? But it doesn't say that. The word delight means moldable and pliable. So make yourself moldable and pliable, and he will, and it doesn't say give, it says ascribe on your heart your desires. So he'll write on your heart your desires when you allow yourself to be humbled and make yourself moldable and pliable. Then when you have that thought, you have that desire, desire of father, D of sire, father of father, you have it. You don't have to second guess it. Was that me? Was that God? Who was that? Did you delight yourself in the Lord? Did you let make yourself moldable and pliable? Did you become the tool that he needs to fashion so that he can use you for that purpose? Then it's okay. Go for it. Stop being that person that whines a year later. You know, I had that idea about a year ago, but I was afraid and I didn't patent it, so now the world has it. Hallelujah. How many times has that happened to people? We wait. We wait. Well, there's no way I can do it. That ain't about you. It's about him co-doing it with you. He's going to work together with you to hit those high places, but you got to believe it. <sighs> anyway. And, you know, I talked just a little bit about making a, um, an agreement with some of the stuff you don't want to get rid of, your ite. I call it an ite. Remember when Joshua made an agreement with the Gibeonites, right? Now, now they, they fibbed. They did. They, they said they were from a far-off land, and they tore their clothes, and they had all these nasty wineskins. Everything looked like they had been from a far-off land, but they weren't. They were one of the ites in that promised land was supposed to get whacked by Joshua and be out of there. But he made an agreement. Whacked is an Italian term. means killed, messed up, of no more. Was, I don't know. The point is, you know what happened. Well, you know, and he made an agreement with them. And he says, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll be with you. We'll have a, a truce between us. The problem was he didn't ask God. See, how many times when we're going through it do we not ask God, what does he want us to do? And when we take it on as ourselves, and we don't use the Holy Spirit, we've taken on all that responsibility and maybe, just maybe, made a mistake. You know, it says in, in science, and I'll just do this real quick, 96% of everything is unseen. Unseen matter or unseen energy. Only 4% is visible matter. 4%. So, and this is just regular science. So they say, so if you use every bit of your senses and you get all 4% and you make your decision based on that, there's 96% of the stuff you didn't get if you don't use the Holy Spirit. So Christians, please, when you have an important decision, use the Holy Spirit. And men, if you have an important decision, use your sexy voice of the Holy Spirit, your wife, 
get her involved because sometimes I'm too close to the thing. I want to succeed. I want to get to that end place, and I'm, I don't want to listen to her because she might say something that doesn't work for me. But I pay the price when I do that. And for guys, it gives the lady a great feeling that you guys are co-creating, working together, and also it prevents me from doing something stupid. Okay? And we're there again. We get past that. Now let's get into some James. Since we're talking James, this is James Madison stuff right here. He wrote this. In my life, I've suffered a great many trials, few of which actually occurred. Who said that? Mark Twain. But isn't that truth? How many times have you fretted about the thing that's going to happen? And if this, then this. Oh, my gosh, it's so terrible. And you used all your energy, all your essence. You're exhausted. And it didn't even come. Why fight the battle that's not even there? You know, I... My background, you know, the way I'm created, the way I'm wired is warrior. Well, what does a warrior need to find value? A war. So how many times have I created my own wars just so I could find value, just so I could say victory when I didn't even need to have the war? Right? Because then it's all about me. I did it. Me, my. It's not about my, the value I get from Papa God and being his son. It's about what I like to do, which is war, and the value I glean from winning that war. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I sure am. So, James says, my brethren, now I'm gonna take you through words. I want people to understand what the words are really saying so we can understand what the heck these trials are all about and what the words are really saying in the Bible. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, which means the word count is he go nigh, which means command. Huh. Because to me, I thought it was just say, well, hey, I'll just call it joy. Really hurts a lot. Looks terrible. But I'll just say, that's joy. No. Command joy. Why would you command joy? Well, you're the one with all power, dominion, and authority, and you're the boss of you. We talked about that already. So what's going to happen when you go through this trial, this thing, this thing that doesn't look very good, and it's got all this fear wrapped around it? You have to tell you joy. You have to tell you peace. I'm in peace. I'm in joy. Command joy, me. Because what happens if I don't stay in joy? What if I stay in fear, lack, and worry? What am I going to bring back into my life? More fear, lack, and worry. And you know what? But if I'm in charge, if I'm the boss of me, if I have all power, dominion, and authority, I can say to me, no, joy. So if we know that we can create joy in our heart just by what we focus on, then we're the boss. But if we let our emotions, which want to be in motion, take us to who knows where, then we're not in charge. We're a victim of our own emotions and our own programming. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I, I've been there. I'm sure we've all been there where we just start going down this rabbit hole of terrible things that could happen, and we never did the one thing it said because we didn't know what it meant, command joy. When you go through a trial, be in joy. 
Okay. Commanded all to be, and the word joy means in this kara, calm delight. It doesn't mean jumping up and down, screaming and yelling. It means, hmm, you know what? I know that I know. This is all working out for, my, for, for God's glory through me. It's all going to be right. It's all going to be good. I'm in calm delight. I got this. When you are put to the proof and surrounded by multifaceted circumstances, isn't that true? When you go through a trial, it isn't one thing. Multifaceted. It's like a machine gun riddling. This happens. Then, oh, I can handle that. Well, then this happened. And then this happened. And it all hits at the same time. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. What can you control at that point? You. Joy. Does that make sense? So you don't have to go down that rabbit hole and worry about this one and that one and this one and that one and all these little battles. You know, because a thousand fall to my left, ten thousand to my right, but not me. I'm in joy. I'm in peace. I'm good. Philippians says, finally, brethren, and this is why it's so important, a tool. We need tools because everybody says, well, just be in joy. Well, how do I do that? Well, it says right here, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, uh, are good report, if there be any virtue and in any of these praise, think on these things. So you don't know, you're thinking on the problem you're going through. Right, let's change your focus. Let's think on these things. How do I do that, Nick? What do I got to do? A gratitude list. Write down a grat. Anybody have a gratitude list in here? Raise your hand. Okay, we got like six or seven people that get through trial, no problem. You got to have a gratitude list, a list of all the things you're so happy and grateful for. I'm giving you a tool so that when you get attacked, when the, the trial comes, you can focus on those things and remember, you know, give me my gratitude. Oh, wait, I, I have it in my own house. Oh, it's a beautiful house. Oh, I'm in this country, great country. Oh, I have a great wife. I got kids. I've got this. I've got that. I've got a car. I've got, wow, what in the heck am I so worried about? And you take yourself, you capture it, you bring it back into alignment, and now you're in joy. See that? See how you did that? Another tool, one more tool, because I, I like tools, and, and you should have tools, is, is when God came through book. Now, how many times did God come through in your life? How many times did you write them down when God came through? Zero. No, write them down. God came through, and let me write this down. And let me, why is it so important? Because then you go through another trial. Here it is. It's hitting you hard. You just got your gratitude list out, and you go, let's go to my God came through book. Man, I remember. Yeah, he, I was in bad shape. I owed 70000 a month, and he came through, and I was okay and never went bankrupt. Oh, my gosh, look at this. And I thought we were going to go to a, a real bad place, but he came. And, and you just edify yourself with every time he came through until finally you go, Pfft. He'll come through again. I'm good. I know he'll come through again. So you've got to be okay with getting out of the fear, lack, and worry, and getting into the place where you're, in the, where you're the boss. You're the guy that's in charge of the kingdom environment in peace, joy, and love. Use these tools. Does that make sense? Is anyone going to even try to use a gratitude. You know, and when you got up here teaching all the time, people go, wow, that was a great message. Was it a great message? Yeah, it was a great message. Did you use any of it? No. <laughs> well, come on now. I'm trying to help. Pretend like you're going to use it anyway. Lie to me. I don't care. 
But maybe if you lie to me, you'll actually use one of these things. It really works. I'm telling you, it really works, especially just the gratitude list. I mean, I tried one with the one of the, I'm not going to say who it was, but one person, and they could only write one thing they were grateful for down. And, you know, a lot of times, what, what are you raising your hands for? That was my wife. And it wasn't me that she was grateful for. She hadn't died yet. Hallelujah. So, but the amazing thing is how the list expanded and is expanded because when you start to focus on what you're grateful for, all of a sudden, because your focus changed, you don't look at all the stuff you don't have, you look at all the stuff you do have, right? So it started getting bigger and longer and greater. And, and, and that's okay, but you started with one. At least it started with one. So I challenge you to write a gratitude list of the things you're grateful for. And when you get attacked, when you feel it's coming your way, when you're in that negative place, read it. I read mine every morning. It helps. It's a great way to start the day off with a gratitude list. So what is this? Uh, did I get to James 1.3 yet? No. James 1.3. I told you, there's a lot of word, but, you know, this is church, so I'm allowed to. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So it says knowing, and the word is ginosko, which means absolutely knowing that dominico, testing of your trustworthiness, your faith, uh, uh, I mean, trustworthiness, and then the word pistis, conviction or belief, uh, fashions like a tool through heat and fire, cheerful endurance. So... And, of course, I translated here. Absolutely knowing that the testing of your trustworthiness to your conviction fastens you like a tool going through the heat and fire to achieve cheerful endurance. So when you're going through it, you're getting fashioned like a tool. You're going through the heat. Yeah, this one don't work. We don't like this edge. Because the thing I got you to do, this don't work. I need you to be this person. And you really are this person. Just the world's put some stuff in you I got to get rid of. And so when you're being fashioned like a tool and you're going through this place of cheerful endurance, you're going to stay the course, you're going to stay in joy, you're going to stay cheerful. Make sense? Okay. So we talked about gratitude lists. We talked about when God came through book. One of the things I really like to do is uh, a gratitude prayer. Or if you guys are not uh, thinking it's new age, meditate. I mean, Jesus meditated like 23 times in the Bible, but it doesn't mean it's a new age thing. Get quiet. Silence this brain. And then think on these things. But the problem is our, our brain tends to be like a monkey jumping around, and we can't ever get quiet. And if we can't get quiet, we can't get now. And if we can't get now, we can't line up with I am. So we're just doing and doing and doing. We're starting to be human doers instead of humans being. And B is now. We were created to be human beings. Get quiet. Get in this now moment. Meditate. For me, sit on Papa's lap. Whatever you can do to get in that place of now, to silence all this stuff. Get up early. Uh, get in a place where there's not a whole bunch of things you can think about you got to do. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's go to the next one. James 1.4. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That's the hard one. <laughs> you got to go through this thing the whole way. 
if you don't go through this thing the whole way, there's something called Wimp Junction. You know what? This is getting a little too real for me. This is really hurting now. I'm a wimp out. Oh, yeah, let me wimp out right here. This is a good spot. And everybody will say, oh, yeah, praise God, he went through it. No, no, I know, I know, I'm wimping out because I don't want to change this one. Oh, yeah, I changed it. Oh, I changed it. Oh, we're good. We're good. I'm ready. Where's God's blessing? I'm ready. But you wimped out. You didn't take it. You didn't let it have its perfect work. You made a compromise with your right. You know, trials aren't fun, but at the end, there's awesome crown of glory that you get when you go through it. Because you conquered it. You know what you're conquering? Your flesh. You become less flesh, more spirit man. More spirit man, more light and salt. Make sense? Let me go to the... Oh. James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, and this is what we were talking about, let him ask... God that giveth men liberally and unbraideth, and it shall be given to him. So, how many people lack wisdom when they're going through trials? Okay, good. Thank you for half of you being honest. So, how many here want a million dollars? Raise your hand. About half. If I raised my hand for any, said, hey, raise your hand for anything, you probably would never raise your hand. Is that probably correct? Your right arm is paralyzed. I got it. In Jesus' name, be healed. All right. Anyway, when you go through a trial, when you go through a trial, you need wisdom, don't you? And so you've got to ask for it. The problem is we've been trained that we've got to do everything by ourselves. I got this. I got this. I got this. Especially guys, I know this because I'm a guy, believe it or not. And, and I know that when, when I, I've got this one, I don't, God, I know you're, here's, here's a lie. God, I know you're so busy. I, I know you got a lot of stuff going on. There's this, that, and the other. I got this. Don't, don't need you on this one. And every time I do that, I mess up because I didn't ask for wisdom. And the word ask doesn't mean, okay, God, please just give me a little wisdom. Nothing. Okay. We're done. I'll just go do what I do. No, the word means beg, crave, desire from your God. You, God, help me. Help me with this. And when you can do that, when you can humble yourself to ask for help so that you can get his wisdom, it's amazing the right things that you do. But that's the hard part, humbling yourself to actually ask. Any questions on that? What time is it? 1021, we're good. James 1.6 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave on the sea, driven with wind and tossed. This is me. I mean, you know, I think I know the answer, but then I start doing this number. But then if they do this, then maybe this. And if they do this, then maybe I should do this. And all of a sudden I got 17 different ways I'm supposed to go. Instead of if I asked, there would be only one way to go. You know, I, I, this, this works in business as well. Uh, let, me, let me just tell you. My, my brother-in-law was selling his company. And he's selling his company, and it's for a big number. Multi, multi, multi millions. 
And so he had a whole plan. You know what? If they go this way, this is what I'm going to do. And if they go this way, this is what I'm going to do. If they go this way, this And he had a plan, and he's uh, carrying, he's a nut. He's got all this anxiety. He's trying to remember everything. I went, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you want to see? He went, oh. He said, well, I want it to look like this. Then that's the only thing you accept. And it was like, oh, what a concept. Because if you're gonna, if you're a Christian, and if you know that you create the reality you live in, and you know that you're not going to settle for any less, anything less than what God has told you, because you asked, stay the course. He went in there. He told them, "This is what I want." They said, "Well, we can't do that. We'll offer you this. We're going to offer you." He said, "I understand that, but this is what I need. This is exactly what I deserve." No, no, we can't do that. He goes, "Okay, thank you very much," and he left. They chased him down the hall, grabbed him, brought him back in the room, and said, "Okay." We'll do what you said. But you always have to have the guts to walk away from a deal or else there's going to be a hook in it. If you have to make a compromise that God has said this is what it looks like, but if you don't ask, you'll never know. And you're going to play the, the game just like the world plays the game. And you're going to wonder, why do I got what the world got? Because you didn't ask the question. And then you didn't say, I'm going to stand right on what God said. Make sense? And that's just wisdom of things I've done wrong and things we've done right. So it says, break, uh, let, also let him ask, beg, crave, and desire in credence or moral conviction without doubt. For he that doubts is like a wave on the sea driven by the wind or of circumstance and tossed and agitated. And we feel agitated when we're going through these things, don't we? If we don't have that peace that goes beyond understanding, knowing that we know, yes, this is what he said. Well, I didn't ask. Well, then you probably don't have peace because you didn't ask. And remember, it's not your stuff. It's not your business. You steward over it for him. You know, your ministry, you steward over it for him. It's a mantle you carry. He's anointed you to be a king and a priest with that mantle, and I serve that mantle. But I have a mantle, too. And you, I'm a king and a priest in that mantle. And you serve that mantle. So we're all kings and priests, yet we're all servants. Make sense? We're all kings and priests of the thing we were called to steward, to, mantle, to carry that mantle. But we're also all servants of someone else's mantle. So that's why you don't elevate someone up on high. I've seen it with pastors too many times. All of a sudden, they're elevated, and they're standing on this chair, and they're so high up above everyone, they won't touch people's hands because, you know, they might catch something. I don't know. Anyway, the point is you elevated them so high that when they fall, all the sheep fall with them. It's just a dude doing his best to carry his mantle that God has given him, but he's not perfect. He's not perfect. And we've got to understand none of us are perfect and all of us will fall a little bit. But, you know, and that's called sin, which means, again, hermontano, Greek, missing the mark, not receiving the prize. Doesn't mean you stop, means you stand up, you brush off, you repent, you think a new way, and then you move on. Let's try it again. Make sense? James 1.12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. I like all that. Good word, right? 
Well, I think it's so cool is this part. Where is it? I'm at 112, right? Hold on. I think I went too far. I did. I'm going back. Don't forget all that. <laughs> you can remember in a minute. First, we said James 1.7, for let not look that man, Arthropos, and I thought I had James 1.7 in here, but I guess I don't. That was the one, the screen that's empty. All right, James 1.7 says, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. This is important. That's why I want to get back to it. So the cool thing is the word man in James 1.7 is Arthropos which means man-faced being. Looks like a dude, but he's just a man-faced being. He's not really a man. See, he doesn't even know he's at all power, dominion, and authority. He's Arthropoeus. Later, they'll use a different word for man. And you see, you would never know this if you didn't understand what the Greek or Hebrew was saying or if you didn't go back to the word and see what is it really talking about. So a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I guess basically how I do one thing is how I do everything. You know, if I'm always making a compromise here in my spirituality, if I'm making a compromise in my business, if I'm making a compromise, I'll make a compromise in everything I do because this same blind spot exists in all those things. Does that make sense? So we'll always, so we've got to get through that trial because when that trial, when you get through that trial and you rip that eye out of your promised land, then your whole life will change because it comes out of your, your, your promised land for every aspect and every area of your life. All right. Now we can go to this. 112, we talked about it. It says, again, here, Anyar. See, this blessed is the man. Okay. It's a different word. Man whole and complete. Now that he's gone through it, he's a man, but he's whole and complete. He's not that man-faced being, that monkey man. He's this guy, whole and complete, that endureth temptation, the testing. For when he is tried, found acceptable and stamped of approval, he shall receive, take hold, and be amazed of the crown of life, the badge of royalty and laurel wreath, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Agape, unconditional love with no strings attached. And then here we go. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted of evil, neither tempteth he any man. How many times does it feel like, you know, okay, I just got over drinking, and you know what? I ended up, and there I am sitting in this bar, and somebody offered me a drink. God must be testing me. That's not truth. That's not truth. It says, let no man, God tests nor tempt no man of evil. But man is tested and tempted when he's drawn away by his own iniquity. But every man is te tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, long for which is it forbidden and enticed. You know, that, that maybe you really kind of wanted another drink. Maybe you just really kind of wanted to accidentally hit that porno site. May whatever the thing is that you're trying to get through, 
God didn't do it. You did it to you. Does that make sense? So don't be blaming God for something you did all by yourself. I mean, it's easier because here's the key. When you can blame someone else, there's no responsibility. Da, da, da. God did it. I'm just an old sinner. God put me through it again. Not truth. You're putting you through it again because you haven't got the eye out of your promised land. So you get to go through it one more time. Then when lust conceived, it bringeth forth sin, missing the mark, not receiving the prize. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And you'll have death in whatever that area is. And it could be with your marriage. You know, you did it to you, and the end result of it is death when you stay that course. He that hath no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So, you know, you, you have to edify yourself and build up those walls. Let me see. There's so much in James. I don't want to. Let me just get to this part. God did not cause the trial of lust in our own heart. I mean, our own heart did. During the trial, we can choose to tolerate the weed and make a treaty with it like Joshua did with the Gibeonites, which causes death, or rip it out by the roots. And remember, the Gibeonites were the ones that caused the problem in the promised land later on down the line because Joshua had made the agreement with it. It's the same in your heart, same stuff. Each trial teaches us how to get control of the spirit of man in us and be led by the spirit of God instead. He who hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city, I said. This trial process in edification of your spirit is supposed to happen so you will have no hook left in you when you reach the top of your mountain or of the purpose that God created you for. for. You know, every one of us has, a, like I said, has a, has a calling, has a thing we're supposed to do. And if you make the compromise, that'll be the hook. And that'll be the hook that draws you down and pulls you down when you're at the top of that mountain. You know, and we've all been called to greatness, but if we make a compromise by not going through the trial the way we're supposed to go through the trial, which is in joy, then we're going to see some destruction in our life that will lead to death. Does that make sense? All right, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do different? How many people are going to try? Here, try is a bad word, just so you know. Here, I'm going to tell you some curse words. Try. Divorce, hate. There's a lot of curse words out there that we give so much power to the other ones, not the ones that are truly curse words. So let's not try. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Do or don't do. Don't be lukewarm so he spews you out of his mouth. And the point is, get a gratitude list. I'm running out of time, so I want to get it. Get a gratitude list. Write a book when God came through. You're that important to him that he comes through for you every time. And if you use that tool, you won't have to go through that trial all by yourself. Make sense? And then learn to meditate. Get quiet. The, the worst thing in the world is when you have so much static, you can't hear God. So you're going to have to learn how to meditate, get quiet, line up with I am, ask him a question, and listen to what he says. Is that okay? All right, I thank you. Appreciate it. Everybody standing all close.
Did everybody get something out of that this morning? Has everybody got some calls to action they're going to put into their life this week after the football game, right? <laughs> no, but it's good. And Nick, Nick always teases me, but my favorite book is the book of James, not just because it's my name, but he really puts the red dot right on your heart, right? He really talks specifically about what you need to do to live an effective Christian life. Call to action today. If you haven't read the book of James in 2020, that's been all about trials and building character, I'd encourage you to, to get in there this week because there's a lot of wisdom for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful that you use these trials. You don't cause the trials, but you use the trials to give us more wisdom, develop our endurance, patience, give us courage, Lord, and build our character. We know it's painful, but that pain is for a purpose. And we know that you're building and preparing us for greater kingdom purposes, Lord, kingdom assignments that you have prepared for us. So we just thank you that when we're in a trial, we don't look for the way out. We don't look for wimp junction. Lord, we just, we just go through it. We pray through it. We're faithful in that season, Lord, because we know that you're preparing us for greater kingdom assignments, Lord. We know you're praying, preparing us for eternity, and you're building our character. And as our character is stronger, our heart gets more pure, Lord, and we can do more of your work. We can replicate Christ's image. We can share the good news. We can be the light and the love to this world that right now is so much in need. So we thank you for the learning that comes to the trials. And we stand fast and we know that our blessings come on the other side of obedience in the trial, Lord. And we thank you that when we don't have all the wisdom, all we have to do is ask. Ask earnestly and you'll give it to us. So we are perfectly complete and lacking nothing either through the trial that we're in or the wisdom that we can ask you for. We have everything we need to walk in power, dominion, and authority to carry out your assignments, Lord. So we pray for everybody here for favor, for increase, and prosperity, and their health, their finances, their careers, because we serve the sovereign God of the universe, Lord, and we know that's what you want for us, to walk in abundance and not lack. And, Lord, we thank you in advance. And we cancel, cancel, cancel the assignment of the enemy. We know that as we get stronger, the enemy's attacks get stronger. Lord, but we're not worried because our joy comes from you. Our strength comes from you. And we have authority to command the things into our life that you've already promised. Because everything in the word has already been established, Lord. And we thank you that we can walk in that peace as we walk out of here today. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in the matchless name of Jesus Christ.